0: Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. You know, I'm going to continue for a minute in this vein of honoring our moms uh, with a little bit of a a different take on it, maybe. Um, Have you ever known just how right on moms are often with their ability to cut to the, the heart of a matter and and figure out what's really going on. Let, let me illustrate, because I think this is common. I, I think this might be a, a group experience, but we'll see if it's true for you. So picture me um, starting out second grade, and I so loved school. I so enjoyed uh, first grade. My teacher, Mrs. Byerly, in first grade was, was a dream. She was like, like smart grandma that liked to play, and, and the education was uh, amazing, right? So so I'm going with that kind of expectation into second grade, and oh my gosh, on the way home from that first day of second grade, I was already complaining, com, uh, plan, planning my complaints to my mom. So I come in the door, and I tell her how awful the day was, that the new teacher was crummy, and that the, the school lunch was cold, and that just, it's like you name it, it was a terrible day in my little nine-year-old heart, and I was going to tell mom all about it. And my mom was just kind of like, oh, well, that's interesting. I think she recognized in that wisdom of mom, well, this was the first day back to school, right? We'll, we'll see. So the second day, with the same level of enthusiasm, I'm planning my complaints on the way home, and I'm going, Mrs. Griswold, she's horrible. She looks funny, and she has bad breath, and, and oh my God, she had us like reciting numbers on the blackboard. It was terrible. It was horrible. I don't want to go back to school. And my mom, again, I think she might have folded her arms a little bit. And just said, well, let's just see, you know, this is going to be fine. Now, knowing my mom, you know, years later, I suspect there was a phone call or two in here, right? I bet she was calling some of the other mothers. She was probably calling the school, checking up on this Mrs. Griswold, really, to see if, you know, if Larry was kind of just being out there or if there was a legitimate complaint or not. That's what I suspect. But what I know for sure is the third day I came home from school, walked home from school with the complaints ready, and I started in on it again. And my mother rose up out of the chair so as to tower over me and said, silence. If you can't say anything good about Mrs. Griswold, you will say nothing. Oh my gosh. It struck terror into me. Do you know what I mean? She, first of all, she was using the voice. Do you know what the mother voice is? <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, normally, it's just your first name. And it's used in situations of danger. Like, Larry, come down from there. It's like, you know, it's like the voice. Well, she used the voice on that day. And I still remember it. And it's something that now, 50 years later, right, we're learning about. Because what she was, in essence, saying is... Complaining does nothing. We're using this great book called A Complaint-Free World of Will Bowens, and uh, Sandra said we had a few copies left in the bookstore, so if you're interested, that's fine. Many of us are also doing the 21... Oh, that's right, I had to switch bracelets, it's on this arm now. We'll talk about that in a minute. We're doing the uh, 21-day complaint-free world program, and I'll talk briefly about that. But the idea is that complaining in and of itself is really a useless occupation. In fact, it's worse than useless because as we complain more about things, what are we going to notice? The very things we're complaining about. What are we going to actually make way for is greater and worse things to complain about. It's like an invitation It's like a prayer for more of the negativity. And when two or more are gathered together, it turns into a group prayer. Then as a group, you're really seizing in on the negativity of life and really making it come true, really feeling it. And that's why gossip sessions and and just uh, bitch fests or whatever you want to call them are so, so dangerous. It's because that energy of negativity, you're actually proclaiming it and reveling in it. And of course, it will bring more of it to you and so our program this month is the idea we're just going to skip that we're going to do as my mother said and and like when we catch ourselves inwardly we say silence i'm going to choose not to verbalize that complaint and we're going to talk a little bit later about when maybe a complaint is necessary or when something is going wrong in your life how to handle it but for now the energy is just silence I'm going to choose something different here. I'm going to say something different. I'm going to phrase what it is that I need to talk about in a way that isn't a complaint. Because the complaining in and of it by itself is nothing. Doesn't help, actually hurts. So let's get started. And you know, as I usually get started, often it's with a joke. And so here's a joke about complaining. In fact, this one's right out of the book, and I particularly like it. A young monk joined an order that required total silence. But at his discretion, the abbot of the order could allow any monk to speak. And so it was nearly five years before the abbot approached this novice monk and said, you may speak two words. While choosing his words very carefully, the monk said, hard bed. Well, with genuine concern, the abbot said, well, I'm sorry that your bed is so uncomfortable. We'll see if we can get you another one. So, around his 10th year at the monastery, the abbot came to the young monk again and said, You may once again say two words. Cold food, said the monk clearly. Oh my gosh, said the abbot. Well, we'll see what we can do about that. Now, on the monk's 15th anniversary, the abbot found the monk again and made his offer once again to speak two words. I quit, said the monk. <laughs> Well, you know, it's probably for the best, replied the abbot. You've done nothing but complain since you got here. So how's it going, (laughs) right? One of the things I observed, and and it was kind of unexpected, if you will, I knew that I was going to be listening very carefully for my own complaints, but what I hadn't completely prepared for was it seemed like everywhere I would go and everything I would hear would also heighten that idea of complaints. And so it seemed like, a, a much unlike the Abbott's experience of just two words, it seemed like millions of words of complaint. It seemed like everywhere I go, the, the language of complaint was ripe, and I was struggling a little bit. And so in my struggles, I wrote down, I think, what are some of the real issues or, or real things we need to be aware of as we embark upon our 21 days of, of, uh, of continual and, and perfect non-complaining? The first question was, what do I do when I'm invited to complain? We're going to talk about that a minute, right? Because there are certain situations where you're literally invited to complain. The second one was a real uh, kind of a no-brainer question. So you're really saying I can't ever complain? Never? Ever? Ever? Of course, that's a complaint right there, and I probably need to switch my bracelet, except I'm using it as an example, right? Okay. (laughs) And then the third one is, when is it a complaint, and when is it just an observation or a statement of fact? So those are the questions we're gonna cover today. Um, But I just wanted to check in with you all. Now, I did pretty well. Uh, Last Tuesday, I have to tell you, the bracelet was flying back and forth from wrist to wrist pretty vigorously. That was last Tuesday, and I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I don't want to fail at this, right? We're all in this together, but hopefully I can walk a few steps ahead of you all in my success rate. And the good news is that on to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I did a tremendous job. Now, part of this, as someone pointed out to me, is, well, Larry, how much time are you spending with lots of people? And I have to admit, right? Like on Saturday, I was down at the convention center with the Dalai Lama. And like, what are you going to do, complain about the Dalai Lama? (laughs) So there were a couple days in there when, well, yeah, duh, probably I wouldn't have complained on those days. But nonetheless, a lot of credit, I thought I was doing really well, Uh, blew into church today, was chatting with people, and within about 10 minutes, oh, it went from this wrist to this wrist. And so I want to start in with that idea of when you're invited to complain, what do you do about it? Cuz that was that was my little trap today. It was like an invitation. I felt like it would be weird not to complain. And uh, Will Bowen talks about this idea of entrainment. Are you guys familiar with the term entrainment? I thought maybe it was something he invented, but I looked it up in the dictionary. It's an actual word. And what it means is that in groups of people, we tend to train each other to be more similar. And so if you've noticed, couples that have been together for just years and years and years and years, they have similar tastes and colors and clothes and even haircuts and and interesting things, right? And it isn't that they necessarily started out that way, but after 30, 40, 50 years of living together, they have entrained one another to like many of the same foods, to want to hang out with the same kinds of people. They've entrained one another to enjoy the same kind of music and things like that. Uh, similarly, you may have noticed uh, people who look surprisingly like their dogs. It's like they, they have entrained their, well, I know it's a trivial thing, but they've kind of entrained themselves so that they're seeking out a confirmation uh, of how they look in the world. And of course, the example from the book is we entrain our communication styles. Around the people that are closest to us. And so if we live in a family with uh, with kind of high drama and uh, and and big expressions and and loud pronouncements, the people all entrain one another that this is the way it is, and this is the way that way we should be. And unfortunately, that applies to complaining, as well. And so most likely, each one of us hangs out with a group of people at at a kind of a set level of complaints going back and forth. Now, some of us may hang out with groups that do a lot of complaining, a lot of gossiping. Others might hang out with groups that do relatively little complaining or little gossiping, little finding fault in others and self. And, And some are in the middle. But probably in your group There's a general evenness of it. Everyone's participating. Everyone has entrained themselves to participate at that same level. What happens when you stop? (laughs) Yeah, suddenly it's uncomfortable. And even if you're the one that's stopping, even if you know that you're doing this program and it's a good thing, even though you're not asking them to stop, right? Even though it's something you're doing just for you and for the world, suddenly you feel different and strange and weird, suddenly it's like everyone around the room has shared their day and well this naughty thing happened and this rotten thing happened and and uh, and mrs griswold was mean and ugly you know what whatever it was and suddenly it's your turn that's the invitation right it's like how was your day oh it was terrible how was your day the boss was mean how was your day and suddenly it's your turn and when we're entrained, oh my gosh It's so very natural for us to pitch right in. Well, I I can one-up you without my day. Oh my gosh, this bad thing happened and that bad thing happened. So what I want to suggest is we have to stick it out. We just have to say no. We have to think like my mom did, only within our own mind, and just say, Larry, silence, right? It is their right and their privilege to complain, I'm choosing to make a difference in my own life and in my own world. And especially right now, because most of us are in that stage where we're aware of what we want to do, but we're not completely competent at it yet. We're not completely competent at the language of not complaining, at the rhythm of it. We're not quite used to the idea of of putting the bricks on our own mind when it starts going into that area. And so, of course, we're going to make mistakes, and that is okay. That's why we have the bracelet, is to remind us of the little mistake, and then we, we just went, when it, when it gets as far as coming out of our mouths and into the world, we just switch to the bracelet and we go, that's okay. I learned from this experience. I need to be a little more careful, maybe when I'm around a group of of my friends that complains a lot. And what I also know is that idea of entrainment is the very law of attraction at work, right? We attract to us people that participate at our level, people who are like us. And so when we become less of a complainer, when we begin to shorten the number and frequency and duration of our complaints. Oh my gosh, what a blessing. People like that will start coming to us. It will attract to us more of those same people. And if there happens to be, in our group of friends, a a friend who is a particular complainer, they will start feeling kind of weird. As the group starts complaining less, as you stop complaining as as much as you have in the past, the person who complains the most is going to start feeling a little uncomfortable, and they will either change their behavior, or they'll seek another group to be in where... We're complaining's the thing, and we'll get on with it. That's entrainment. And I think that does a good job of answering the first question, what do I do when I'm invited to complain? Because it is going to happen. You'll be that one in the middle of entrainment who needs, in, in our own head, and here's what you do about it. You say silence, just like my mom did. You say, Larry, now is not the time to complain. I know I can make a difference. And I choose a different word. I choose a different way of expressing myself, or I just remain silent. Or I might say something like, wow, I'm, I'm really sorry that your day went that way. You know, my day was pretty good. Uh, and, and be thinking, when, when you're in that process of noticing where the complaints come, they'll usually take a pattern. Like everybody complains about the weather when it starts raining. Everybody complains about work when you're sharing your day, right? And so what I know is I'm walking into this situation. I'll be prepared for it. My day was pretty darn good. It had a whole bunch of nice things in it, and they'll be kind of fresh on the top of my mind. And so if someone else says, oh, this horrible thing happened and this horrible thing happened, I'll, I'll let them know that I heard them, not agree that life is horrible, but I'll say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know, my day was pretty good today. I had uh, I had fun at work today. Church was uh, fabulous Um, Do you know what I mean? I'll I'll share the highlights instead of the lowlights. That's how we change. That's how we make a difference. A little preparedness, a little awareness, and if we have to change our bracelet, no harm, no foul, right? We'll start over with another 21 days, and that's fine. So next question that came up, and this one was actually asked to me, uh, and I think it makes sense that this is a very good question. When is a complaint a complaint And when is it just an observation, right? And let me give you an example, uh, weather-related, right? So today someone came in and said, oh, it's raining. And I said, five days of sunshine and here it is raining. Observation or complaint? Well, I tell you, for me, I'm a native Oregonian. I like it when it rains. I like it when it's sunny. I garden when it's raining. I garden when it's sunny. For me completely an observation because I like the weather here pretty much all year uh, whether it's rainy or whether it's sunny for me just an observation what if on the other hand I was doing a wedding today that was supposed to be outside could be the exact same words right and oh my that might be a complaint if the wedding is going to get rained out So really, each one of us, in our own hearts, we have to answer the question, is it an observation? Is it just a fact? Or is it a complaint? Here's the way uh, Will Bowen describes this particular conundrum. He says, You might wonder, when is what I'm trying to say a complaint, and when is it just a statement of fact? According to Dr. Robin Kowalski, and, and she's a, a fundamental uh, uh, psychologist on the, in the nature of communication, whether or not the particular statement reflects a complaint, it depends on whether the speaker is experiencing dissatisfaction. So the words in a complaint and non-complaint can be identical, but what distinguishes the two is your meaning and your energy behind them. So, it's raining today. If you're making an observation and that's fine with you, it's just a fact. It's raining today, right? I don't wish it were raining. Then it's a complaint. Okay, uh, and so you might hear someone say something that sounds like a complaint and they're not switching their arm bracelet. It's not really for you to decide. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon's going, yeah, damn right. It's for me to decide. <laughs> and it's true. Only you know if, if a complaint is a complaint. So, so let's be good with one another. Because I know we're su- trying to support each other in this process. There are times when something that sounds like a complaint might have actually been a complaint if you sought it. When someone else says it, it just means it's a rainy day. It's no big thing. Last but not least, I think one of the hard questions was, and someone asked me this right after the service last Sunday, and I had to think good and hard on it. So I can never complain? Like, never? Ever? Like, really? (laughs) Never? Well, of course you can. Absolutely you can. First of all, it's just a bracelet, (laughs) right? (laughs) It's just a bracelet. No one's going to die if you complain. So make your complaint and switch your bracelet. But I would also offer up, and Will Bowden in the book even says this, there are times when it's totally appropriate to complain, right? If you need to call the police for safety reasons... Right? That's a complaint. It's like, good. Do you know what I mean? When safety is involved, when, when issues of, uh, of compliance or, or, or legal things come up, when we need to keep ourselves and our families uh, 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 safe and sound, absolutely, we should send that cry of complaint up. There's nothing wrong with it. In our little 21-day program, yes, yeah, switch the bracelet too. That's okay. But that level of danger and complaint when it's legitimate really doesn't happen that often in our lives. And And so the idea here is is what are we doing habitually what is it what is our level of dissatisfaction with life Habitually, and what are we going to do about it? And that really leads me to my final discussion today. And and I, I, it was interesting. I was with the, in fact, several of us in here were with the Dalai Lama's uh, presentation and a panel, de, uh, a presentation yesterday <laughs> on, uh, on I, I would say, you know, loosely the state of the world in terms of ecology and and, and in terms of environment. And what I thought was interesting, uh, in one place in the panel, they did a a question and answer, and uh, they were kind of working down the line of panelists. There were uh, uh, five panelists, four panelists. Uh, Jonathan, I know, was there. Thanks, Jonathan. Um, And what I noticed was complain, complain, not complain, complain. Guess who the non-complainer was? The Dalai Lama, yeah. And so I started noticing, you know, the the complaint. And and these were all fabulous people with a lot of good information, but most of it was pitched as a complaint, you know. We're already putting out too much CO2. It may be too late to save the world from, uh, uh, you know, from the rising temperatures and the rising sea levels, you know. Uh, We're not doing enough uh, in terms of legislature for limiting emissions We're we're not doing what we can do to uh, recycle and reuse and, and, and do what's necessary to be a good steward of the planet. And then it gets to the Dalai Lama, and he talks about what he is doing in his own household to reuse things. And I thought... This is a little different, isn't it? And the moderator picked up on this and, and turned it back to a question for all of the panelists. And it was wonderful. It was a great moderator, by the way. Uh, he said, "Well, so what are each of us doing individually in our own homes? And then they went down the line. And I loved it because these people are fabulous. They were talking about specifically the things they were doing in their own homes and in their own lives to look at packaging and what's necessary and what's not to, to determine whether they really needed two cars or not. You know, these were. Really smart people, and they had done things personally in their own lives to make a huge difference for for the world and and, and its ecology, and yet, up until the, the Dalai Lama kind of focused in on that, right, it was complaining, And what I loved where the Dalai Lama left things off as well, uh, because again, uh, there were some questions that brought up some fears. And in fact, one woman um, had uh, used Twitter to submit a question from California. They were listening on the internet because they were transcribing it on the internet. And one woman was very fearful about the state of the world and what was going to happen. And again, some of the panelists didn't give a lot of hope. It came to the Dalai Lama and he said, there are some things out of our control and we simply must accept them. And that is what I want to focus on for a few moments here. I want to read for something for you that I think will sound familiar to quite a few of you. God grants me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and always the wisdom to know the difference. Does the serenity prayer... Sound familiar to most of you, hopefully most of you have heard it. And I think what the Dalai Lama was getting at is really important. There are things we can do instead of complaining. You know, often a complaint comes up, it arises because something really does need to be done. Not always. Sometimes we're just kind of bitching and moaning. And those kind of complaints, let's just let's just squash them, okay? But sometimes the complaints are actually founded in a piece of reality, something that maybe does to change. And what I I would say is what the Dalai Lama said. What I would say is what the serenity prayer says. Let us change the things that we can. In terms of the environment, yes, let us all learn about how products are manufactured and which ones we can choose to have a lighter footprint on the planet. Let us find out what we can do in our own lives to make a difference uh, in terms of reducing our power consumption and, and uh, reduce emissions and things like that. In our, likewise, let us see what we can do in our relationships with each other to make them better because we can. There are physically things we can do And also there are things out of our control. There are things where we have a minor input into them, but largely they are out of our control, and let us just accept them. Let us go to that heartfelt place of knowing that some things will be taken care of by a power greater than ourselves. That the more that we have an attachment, and and here the the Dalai Lama really focused in, the more we are attached to specific outcomes in the world and outcomes around which we have little control or little power to make a change, we are dooming ourselves to disappointment. We are dooming ourselves to an attachment to something that probably will make us angry, that will probably fuel us into a place of, of making the situation worse instead of better. When things are out of our control, they are in someone else's control. They are in the control of the divine. They are in the control of the the goddess. They are are in control of of life. And we can turn it over to that, that, to that power that is higher and greater than ourselves. And so here's my rallying cry today. When you are feeling that urge to complain, let us think of the serenity prayer. Is it a complaint that is going to move us out into the world and make a change? Are we going to have that courage? Are we going to take that God-given courage to change the things we can? I hope so. Because a complaint is, a, is just a response that doesn't have anything good coming from it. We can do good. We can take a a good deal of what's wrong in the world, certainly in our own lives, and do something about it. That's where the courage comes in. But I also know that some things are just not for us to do. Some things we can participate in, but the ultimate outcome is up to something bigger, bigger groups of people, higher powers. And those things, my rallying cry would be just to be in a place of acceptance. Tomorrow may, be, may bring something different. Maybe it won't. But my complaint does nothing but make it worse. So I'm going to close today with a final quote from, uh, from a complaint-free world and, of course, a prayer. Here's what he says. There is a computer term, garbage in, garbage out. And if you, what it means is if you put garbage, which is poorly written codes or commands, into the computer, you'll get garbage out. Poor results. But when it comes to our lives, I think the opposite is true. Garbage out, garbage in. When you gripe and complain about the things in your life, when you send garbage out, you are simply going to reap more of it. Garbage in. The good news is that each of us is learning to catch ourselves just before we speak our word. We're going to hold back. We're going to reframe our comments so as not to complain. We are now beginning to make that shift. We are beginning to move into a conscious competence around the abstinence of complaining. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence. There is one life and one love. There is one joy and one acceptance. I call this thing God. Call it what you will. It is that that infinite goodness, that infinite wisdom, that infinite acceptance of God itself. And I know that means me. I know that that same goodness, that same life, that same love is available to me and to each person in this room. And I claim for each person in this room that God grants me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change those things that I can, and wisdom, always, to know the difference. I'm grateful for this wisdom. I'm grateful to be here in the power and presence of God itself as the the hands and the hearts and the minds of these people. I let it be, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you.